Good morning, I'm Pastor Dan from Life Church St. Louis. Today we're beginning a new message series entitled Spirit Empowered Living. And in this series, we're going to be looking at lessons from the book of 1 Corinthians. Church at Corinth was planted by the Apostle Paul along with Priscilla and Aquila. And this church had some wonderful aspects, but also had some things that needed adjustment, just like churches today and just like people today. And so God desires to encourage you regarding the good work that you are doing in your life or that he is doing in your life. And he wants you and our church family to grow mature in him. And so today's message I've entitled Unity in Christ. Now this true unity or fellowship can only exist in, in Jesus Christ. That is, there can only be true unity between believers in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so these verses give us an idea about what true fellowship is all about. Fellowship is about being yoked or in partnership with another person. The imagery here of, of being yoked is of a team of two oxen yoked together working to plow a field. And as a believer and unbeliever are not in spiritual agreement, they, they cannot have fellowship with one another. Now let's look at who we have fellowship with as believers. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we see from this verse that every believer is in fellowship or in unity with Jesus. To be in fellowship with another person, you must be in agreement with them. Now, we know from Scripture that sin can hinder our fellowship with Jesus. 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him, that is Jesus, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So to maintain fellowship with Jesus, we must repent of any sin and walk, not in the darkness, but in the light. Sin can also inhibit our fellowship with other believers. Sin of any kind, including wrong beliefs, can cause divisions between believers. And so today we're going to be talking about how we can have unity in Christ with other believers and how that unity can grow. Now the depth of fellowship that you can have with other believers is, is dependent on your agreement together on the truth of God's word. The more fellowship we have with, with Christ and other believers, the greater the power of the Holy Spirit that will be released. The power of the Spirit is released as our fellowship with Jesus increases. And the Spirit's power is released in our church as our fellowship with one another increases. So let's begin by talking about how we are called to fellowship. 1 Corinthians 1-2 begins and says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And so this is the beginning of a letter written by the Apostle Paul to all the believers in the city of Corinth, one of the major cities of that time. These believers were all part of the same church, meeting in smaller groups across the city. 
Now, this verse says that these believers were called to be saints together with one another and with all other believers across the world. So here we see that every believer is considered a saint in the scripture, not just a select few. A believer is identified as someone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and so is sanctified and saved. And so these believers and all believers, including us, are called by God to be in fellowship with one another, with other believers. And what are the results of this fellowship or this unity? Verse 4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge. And so God's grace is given to every believer through their fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that grace impacts our daily lives in dramatic ways. Paul mentions that God's grace changes the way that we talk, the way that we think, and the knowledge that we have. And so Paul is acknowledging that God was at work in the lives of, of these believers at Corinth in a wonderful way. He goes on to say in verse 6 that even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you await for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the testimony about Christ is it's really, that's really the gospel. And the effects of the gospel were seen in the believers at Corinth through the spiritual gifts or charisma that God had given them. Now, the book of 1 Corinthians has the greatest amount of teaching on spiritual gifts in the entire Bible. And notice that these gifts were given to the believers at Corinth as they wait for the second coming of Jesus. And this is one of the many places in the New Testament that makes it clear that spiritual gifts are meant to continue until Jesus returns. We are called to fellowship as believers, both with Jesus and with other believers. So let's talk some more about our fellowship with other believers. This fellowship with other believers in our own families or in our church family or with believers that we know elsewhere. Oftentimes, we speak of fellowship rather loosely, simply enjoying a social time with other believers, a fellowship time. Well, is that true fellowship? Well, it all depends. You know, if our interaction with other believers is really not any different than our interaction would be with other believers, it probably isn't fellowship. Fellowship is a spiritual activity that's centered on Jesus Christ and, and the Holy Spirit. Let's think of some examples as, as we gather together to worship on Sunday mornings, that's fellowship. Praying together with other believers, whether online or in person is, is fellowship. Studying God's word together, discussing God's word is fellowship. Serving together is fellowship. Worshiping together is fellowship. What about the times we're together with, with other believers? It's just, just friendship. It's just Having fun, no spiritual component, nothing wrong with it. But what do you think? Is that fellowship? I think that as we grow in our fellowship with Jesus, we're going to grow in bringing Jesus into every relationship. Bringing Jesus and the Holy Spirit into every interaction we have with other believers. 
and with unbelievers. We are called to grow in fellowship with one another. Now, if we're not in fellowship, what can happen? Well, divisions between believers reveal immaturity. So now Paul begins to address some of the issues in the church at Corinth in verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be unified in the same mind and the same judgment. So what's the opposite of unity or fellowship? Well, it's divisions. And if you continue to read chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, as I would encourage you to do this week, you'll find that divisions in the church had been reported to Paul. And these divisions were the cause of quarreling between people in the church. And what were they quarreling about? Well, they were quarreling about which teacher they were following. Some were saying, well, I follow Paul. Others were saying, I follow Apollos. Others saying, I follow Peter. And yet others saying, I follow Christ. Now, what was going on here? Well, Paul had planted the church at Corinth and Apollos had come after him to teach and to help the church continue to grow. Peter was a respected leader and teacher in the church in Jerusalem. Now, these three men were all godly leaders, and what they taught was in perfect agreement. Most likely, being different people, their styles of teaching were different, and perhaps the content of their teaching was, was different at the different stages of the church they were involved in, and yet people were arguing about which teacher was the best, and which one they followed, and they were quarreling with one another. Now, the right answer was that everyone should be following Christ, not a certain person. And so true fellowship is seen as people are of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, why were these believers at Corinth having this issue, having these divisions, following different teachers? Well, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And so the reason for, this, for these divisions, for this immature behavior, was that the people there were not spiritually mature. Now, each believer comes into the family of God as an infant in Christ. They're born again, but they're like newborn babes. They have a lot of their old nature or flesh hanging on. And as, as they grow in Christ, they become increasingly more spiritual, more mature, and that will be evidenced in their behavior. Paul, writing to the immature believers at Corinth, says in verse 3, You are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And so Paul makes their immaturity clear in this verse. The quarreling among them was being manifested in jealousy and strife between these different factions. Now, what is the flesh? The flesh is the old nature of the believer. It must be put off in order to grow spiritually. Divisions between these unbelievers were caused by immaturity and following after the flesh. Now, before we look to apply this teaching to our world, let's remember that the different teachers, Paul, Peter, Apollos, the believers were following at Corinth were all teaching the same doctrine. 
Paul made it clear if you read the entire passage that Apollos was accurately teaching God's word. The problem was not with the teachers. The problem was not with the doctrine of the teachers. And so we see that Satan loves to stir up division between believers about non-consequential preferences. In this case, it probably was about the different styles of the teachers and perhaps even the content of their teaching, although it was all biblical and accurate. Today, sometimes we hear of churches dividing because people can't agree on the color of the new carpet or some such nonsense. And God calls us to seek unity, to give up quarreling about personal preferences. As we grow in the Lord, we understand how to lay down our own rights for the sake of unity in the body of Christ and in our church family. Now, what about unity between churches? Well, there can only be complete unity between churches that correctly teach the essentials of God's word. We can't have unity with a church that is not teaching God's word properly. And yet we can have fellowship with other believers as we seek to teach them everything that Jesus commanded, as we're instructed to do in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18-20. To have true fellowship, we must understand, first and foremost, that Christ is the foundation. Verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. And so Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And so he's speaking about laying a foundation for the church that he planted. After Paul left Corinth, Apollos came and he helped the church to grow on the foundation that Paul laid. The foundation that God instructed him to lay. Not only is a foundation laid for a church, it's also essential in each of our lives. Verse 11 tells us about that foundation. It says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so this solid foundation that a church must be built upon is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. He is also to be the foundation of, of every believer's life as well. And how do we build upon that foundation of Jesus Christ? We build upon it by following the principles by obeying God's word. And as God's word is followed, believers are built together as living stones in a church family. And what is the result of believers being built together upon the foundation of Jesus? Well, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And so the end result is God's temple. That's what's being built upon the foundation, a place for the presence of God, a place for the Spirit of God to dwell, to live. A church consisting of true believers is meant to be a place where the Holy Spirit is present and active in power. Now, of course, this also applies to our individual lives. Each one of us is also a temple of God, for God's Spirit indwells every believer. And God's temple in our lives is built as we grow in following the Word and the Spirit of God. The foundation of our lives as believers, it's not us, it's Jesus. The foundation of any true church is not the pastor, it's, it's Jesus Christ. We must make sure that Christ remains the foundation of our church and of our lives.
Now, in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul speaks of two ways that the foundation of Jesus can be built upon. Again, I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter. The first way to build upon the foundation is by building with gold, silver, and precious stones. The second way is to build with wood, hay, and straw. Now, in Bible times, temples were built with gold, silver, and precious stones. The ordinary homes of people were built with wood, hay, and straw. And this passage speaks of fire coming at Judgment Day to test how we have built our lives and how we have built God's church. And this fire is going to burn up any work built with wood, hay, and straw. And what kind of work would that be? It would be work that's motivated by our own desires, by our own plans, rather than God's plans. On the contrary, we are to build not with wood, hay, and straw, but with valuable materials that will survive the fire of judgment. To build with gold, silver, and precious stones is to spend our lives in obedience to God's word. It's to live in such a way that we demonstrate love for God and love for people. And the result of building God's way will last for eternity in people's lives. How are you building on the foundation of Christ? Will your life's work survive judgment's fire? Will it glorify God forever? May God help us to build properly on the foundation of Christ in everything that we do. And so God calls us to fellowship and unity in our church family and with other believers. In a world that's marked by increasing division and strife, we are to be known for our love for one another. We must seek to eliminate any causes of disunity that we might be responsible for. In fact, God desires for us to be peacemakers, looking to promote harmony in our relationships with other believers, harmony in our church family. And as we focus on building on the foundation of Christ in our lives and church, our unity and fellowship with one another will grow. And as our unity grows, the power of the Spirit working within us and the church will grow as well. My prayer is that God would help us to grow in love for one another as we reach out to those who do not yet know Jesus' love. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, to repent and become a follower of Jesus, to begin to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, if you never have before. If you've never committed your life to him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me and, and to be born again. To do that, you need to do three things. First of all, you need to admit that you've sinned. Repent and turn away from that sin. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus died to forgive you. He rose from the dead. And put your faith in him. And commit your life finally to following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So, I'd encourage you to pray with me right now. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, or you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Pray something like this in your own heart, in your own words. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've, I've been doing my own thing in life, following my own plan, my own desires, and I repent of that. I turn away from that way of living. I return away from that sin. And I choose to believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. He paid the penalty for my sin. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I put my trust in him. I believe 
and commit my life to following Jesus as my Lord and Savior all my days. And for the rest of us, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you that you've called us to fellowship, first and foremost with you, and secondly, to fellowship with other believers in our church family and everywhere they may be. I pray, God, that we would be a cause, a promoter, an encouragement of true fellowship and harmony and unity between believers. God, we know from your word that divisions reveal an immature attitude in our lives of jealousy, of strife. God, we pray that you'd forgive us for the times that we have been causes of divisions between people, between followers of Jesus. Rather, help us to be peacemakers, to bring back unity and fellowship to any strained relationships. We thank you that, Jesus, you are the foundation of our lives. You are the foundation of our church. And we pray that we would build upon that foundation with spiritual gold, silver, and precious stones. That as we obey your word, we would build a temple for your spirit to dwell in, in power. And God, as we continue to pray in this time period, seeking God for our city of St. Louis, we, we pray that you would transform our community, that you would transform the metro area of St. Louis, that you would bring revival there as people call upon your name and move in our lives. People would be saved, filled with your spirit, and your church would grow. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment to Jesus Christ or would like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us. Via the link below this video, we'll pray for you, offer you some helpful materials. You can find more information at our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are open at 10 a.m. at our location at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at give.lcstl.org. Next Sunday, we continue our message series, Spirit Empowered Living with the message, Reject Cultural Idols. I invite you to join us then. God bless and have a great week.